Life can be hard, and sometimes you just need an internet bestie to help you out. That's where I come in. Welcome to the Dear Imani Podcast, an advice-based show that reminds you to put yourself first and live in your purpose. And don't worry, I'll always give you the real tea. Need advice or have a story? Send me a message on our Instagram at Podcast or DearImani.com. Tune in every Friday for a new episode. See you there. Sincerely, Imani. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Dear Imani. I'm your host, Imani, obviously. I'm so happy to have you all back. It is the last day of Women's History Month, if you're listening to this Friday, March 31st. And I wanted to have an episode talking about multidimensional women just because it's Women's History Month and women can truly do it all. So I thought, what better way than bring my friend? She is a future astronaut. She's an actress, a model, sports illustrated model. She owns a nonprofit and she's Miss Oregon USA and a lot of other things that we will get into, but she is a definition of layers, okay? She is Manju. Yay! Yay! Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. We actually just did an Instagram live together because you have like an IG live show called Mm -hmm. My Friends Are Cool, right? Yeah. So we just did that. And then um, we met up like a couple months ago when you were out here and had dinner. So we're friends, y'all. Hello. So for starters, what brought you out to LA? Because you live in Oregon. Yeah. Yeah, So I live in Oregon, but I just booked a TV pilot, which is so exciting. And so I have my fitting um, in a couple days. And so I am getting ready for the TV pilot, getting ready for rehearsals and then filming next month. Yay. You guys are going to hear like as we're talking, you're going to be like, Dang, she do that. She do that. Like, it's, we're just going to casually jump into different things that she does. But that's what this episode's all about. And um, just for you, why is it important to be like a multidimensional woman? I think for me, it's about not boxing myself in or not staying in one lane. When I was younger, I was always told you have to focus. You have to stay in one lane. You have to just pick something and go with it. And for me, it's like, well, if I like acting and if I like physics and if I like modeling, why not? Why, why don't I get to pursue all of it? And I've been called childish so many times because people are like, only a child wants to be like a princess cowboy astronaut. And I'm like, well, who who cares? Like, what's wrong with wanting to pursue all of those things and make your dreams a reality? Yeah, I love that. It's I remember I, I called it like elementary dreams because most people, I think there's a lot of layers as to why people don't follow their dreams. One, because people got to put food on the table. Yep. Um, but also society makes you feel like you can't do it. Like right. someone saying that's like, it's childish to dream that big. But if we, imagine if we all just, went back to our elementary school dreams. Like if you ask a child what they want to be when they grow up, they're going to be like superstar, pop star, just everything. And then as they get older, they feel like that's not possible when it totally is because somebody has to be the next Beyonce. Right. So why why can't it be you, you know? Right. So when you introduce yourself, like if you paint the picture and you're somewhere... And they're like, oh, so what do you do? What do you say? Because you do so much. Yeah, I actually got asked that question yesterday. And I was like, oh, I'm an actor because that makes sense to say in L.A. And then they're like, oh, so do you act full time? And I was like, no, I run a nonprofit full time. And I'm also trying to be an astronaut right now. And I'm also Miss Oregon. So I'm going to be competing at Miss USA later this year. And they were like, okay, wow. And it's like a little overwhelming. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, what is that? (laughs) That, And that that question always like, I don't know, it triggers me. Maybe it's an insecurity low key. Like it may Mm. just be like, Oh, I just feel like I'm doing too much. Yeah. Doing so much. So when people ask me that, I freak out. Like, I yeah. hate that question. What do you do? Because it's not so simple like, oh, I'm an accountant. Right. It's like, oh, right. let me just bring out the laundry right. list of things right. I do. So now I think I say I'm in the inter- I'm in entertainment because then it just leaves it at that. Or if they're interested, then you can like say the list. Right. Because I feel like people get overwhelmed, right? They're like, yeah. 
what is all of that? Yeah. And they, I feel like some people get judgmental and they're like, yeah. well, you can't possibly be doing, doing all of that well. And it's like, no, I am. Yeah. Trust me. Like I'm thriving. Right. <laughs> and I bet like the astronaut thing really like throws them for a loop. Yeah. Because that is, you do not hear people wanting to be, a, I don't know anyone besides you that wants to be an astronaut. Yeah. I know. It, uh, the only time I've met other people who want to be an astronaut is in my training program. Yeah. And it's like the first time that I've met so many people who also want to go to space. And I'm like, this is kind of weird because I'm used to being the only person who wants yeah. to do that. But it's cool to have that community and people that want to do the same thing as you. Yeah. I saw in a video that you said that you have wanted to be an astronaut since you were four. So let's just start there. What made you want to be an astronaut? I was at the Evergreen Museum in Oregon and I was learning about the different astronauts in the museum. And then I saw a portrait of Kalpana Chawla, who was the first Indian woman to go to space. And I didn't like quite understand representation, but I saw her and she looked like me and she went and did this incredible thing of going to space. And I was like, wait, if she can do it, I can do, that. I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's kind of what sparked it. And then when the Columbia disaster happened, she passed away in that tragedy. And so I didn't even understand the concept of death that young. Mm -hmm. And then th this like idol of mine passed away. And so I was like, I don't want to be an astronaut. I didn't even know you could die, let alone die in space. Like that's yeah. frightening. And so I kind of like pushed it to the side. And then once I got into college and I started like, like you said, going back to my elementary dreams, I was like, wait, I really do want to be an astronaut. Like I want to do research in space and like live in space for a little bit and make it yeah. happen. That is insane because like when I think of space, I'm like, that is scary. Yeah. Like that just sounds, <laughs> I just think of like, like you're floating obviously because no gravity. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, how do you eat? How do you, how do you live? You yeah. know what I mean? But like, you're like, I would like to do that. Yeah. So then what are the, what are the steps? Like, I'm okay. You say I'm going to be an astronaut. Yeah. And then now it's like, Google how yeah. to be a, like how do you be an astronaut? Like, I, what? I literally googled NASA internships yeah. at one point, and I was like, "Wait, can I work there, or is it like a secret club? Yeah. Or like, how does this work?" <laughs> and so I ended up applying to over a hundred NASA internships wow. during my college career, and I got accepted to zero of them initially. And then someone from NASA reached out and they were like, hey, we saw you applied to like a lot of internships, <laughs> like a lot, and you didn't get any. We'll help you place, like we'll help place you with one. Yeah. And so I ended up doing my first internship at NASA and then I did four more in Houston in the astronaut office, which is really rare to get to intern in the astronaut office. Usually you're in a different part of the center. And so I was working with astronauts every day and seeing what their day-to-day -day was. I was helping train some of them because I had helped build the displays in the cockpit of the spacecraft that's going back to the moon and eventually to Mars. So I was helping train training them on how to use those displays. And so, wow. yeah, so I got to see what it is firsthand. And then once I graduated college, I joined this institute that's now training me on how to do research in space. And that's where I've met so many people who also want to be an astronaut and it's been such a cool experience. I was in training actually up to one day before Miss Oregon. Wow. And I can talk about that, but it was it was surreal to go from that where they're literally trying to teach us how to escape a submerged upside down aircraft. So we're like underwater fighting for our life and we have to push open a window and escape. And so going from that to like walking in six inch heels the next day, people were like, how are you so calm? And I was like, I just drowned. So I'm yeah. great <laughs> Wait, what? Wait, what? <laughs> wait, so the, why, wait, why do you guys practice just in case if it crashes while you're going up? Or while you're We're coming so, down. like you're coming down. Yeah. Okay. Or even just like. I was like, about to say, is there water in space? Right. <laughs> you were like, hold on. I didn't know we discovered that. Yeah. I was like, whoa, I didn't know there was water up there and that you could drown in. Oh my God. That's so funny. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. So your experience working with NASA, like how was that overall? Yeah. That's such a big, like everyone knows NASA. Right. Right. It was so surreal. Um, One of my 
like absolute idol. She's the second Indian woman to go to space, Sunny Williams. I was getting mentored by her. I was getting mentored by like astronaut Victor Glover. Um, and so like these are like history makers. And so to get to even be in their presence, let alone being mentored by them was just absolutely surreal. Wow. That is incredible. Like listen to this, y'all. She just does it all. <laughs> We're just going to keep going and going. So when you work, because you worked in the White House, we'll just yeah. get there too. And we're going to have to circle back to everything because it all comes together. But you worked in the White House. Was that with like NASA? No, I applied to that separately. Oh, okay. I applied twice, got rejected, and then they ended up pulling me for the last four months of the Obama administration. <gasps> yeah. Not Obama. <laughs> oh, did you meet Obama? Did you see Obama? Um, I walked past him in the hallway once and he had like secret service around him. And oh I was like, hey, God. president. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Um, and then I staffed an event for the first lady at one point um, to screen the movie Hidden Figures before it came out in theaters. We screened it for like 100 different middle and high schoolers that were in low-income areas of the DMV area. And the entire Hidden Figures cast came. One of the first black women to go to space came. Um, the first female chief technology officer of the U.S. came. And then it was the first lady. And when the movie started screening, I had nowhere to sit. And so I just, because all the seats were full in the auditorium. So I went and sat at the feet of the cast. And oh the first gosh. lady was right in front of me. And I, I have pictures where it's not Zoom. Like, it's just a clear photo of the first lady because that's how close I was to her. And what's crazy, because, like, first lady, obviously, Miss Michelle Obama. Yeah. But, Icon. like, that name, Michelle Obama. So we were saying, first, it's like Michelle Obama and then first lady. Yeah. Like, yeah. like her name trumps, <laughs> like, the title of first yes. lady. Like, yes. Miss Michelle Obama. Yes. That is so <laughs> cool. So what was that experience like working in the White House? And being amongst all those icons. <laughs> yeah, it was surreal. I mean, I was, sorry, I keep using that word, but everything no, it, in my it, life. Everything is surreal, okay? <laughs> I was working like 15-hour days, and wow. I was there during the election, the 2016 election. I was there the night um, that the election happened in 2016. I was there during like really pivotal moments because once the election happened and we understood who the next president was going to be, we had to do a bunch of transition stuff. And so getting to work, basically what I was doing was me and my boss were overseeing something called the National Science and Technology Council. Mm -hmm. And it was literally just us running 100 different subcommittees and groups. And so there'd be one subcommittee on like space. There'd be another one on soil science. And so we were managing all of these science and tech topics and making sure that the next president and his administration understood what they needed to do to run the country. Oh, okay. I was, I was, I was thinking, I was like, who is the next president? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> moving on. Moving on. <laughs> um, so was the White House what you pictured it? Because most people haven't been to the White House, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So when I think of it, I'm like, okay, this is obviously a huge White House. Yeah. It just seems so put together. So yeah. was it like that? Yeah. Inside? Yes, it was. Although I got invited into the West Wing at one point. And I'm just going to publicly admit this for the first time. I had coffee in my hand and I fell and it went all over the wall. And I was like, I just scarred the West Wing. <laughs> you, made, you made your mark. I made my mark. Did they come and clean it up fast? Hopefully not because hopefully it stained it. Right. And then you go back and you're like, that was me. That was me. <laughs> I went back a couple weeks later and it was gone. And I was like, okay, the White House probably has resources to, yeah, clean, to it clean it up. up. But my friends who were also interns were like, oh my God, oh she's my God. so embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Wow. That's incredible to be in the white house yeah. working with nasa so now with 
what is your next step in order to get to space? Yeah. So one of the things I'm doing is I'm doing a microgravity flight, a zero gravity flight with this company called Go Zero G, which I'm really excited about doing. Um, and then I'm going to be doing another zero gravity research flight with the institute I'm a part of. And those are going to kind of set me up to understand what it's like to operate in zero gravity because although I won't be going to space yet, it's going to teach me how to operate in that environment. And that's really important because a lot of times when some people go up to space, they're so enamored by the zero gravity environment Mm -hmm. that they don't look out at Earth. And that's like the whole point is like the view and the research Mm -hmm. because how many people get to see Earth from that perspective. Right. And whereas you can experience zero gravity closer to Earth. And so that's going to help me like prepare for that environment. And then I'm going to keep doing training and eventually, hopefully, I'll get picked by a private company like SpaceX or Blue Origin or Virgin Galactic to go up to space. Wow. So how long does that process usually take for people? Like Um, from this point, like a couple years or a few years? Yeah. So one of my um, classmates uh, at the Institute, Kelly Girardi, just got picked by Virgin Galactic and she did that in a couple years. Okay. I mean, obviously she's been working at it for her whole life, Mm -hmm. but she got selected pretty quickly. And so I don't know what the timeline is. It could be like a year. It could be five or 10, but I'm ready whenever they they sign me up. (laughs) Yeah. So look out for her in space. (laughs) We're going to see you on the news and like, oh, there she goes. She's going into space. That is so, so cool. Okay. So we're going to move on to modeling. Just just do the layers. Okay. (laughs) Moving on to modeling. So this girl right here, she was in Brown Skin Girl. (laughs) music video by Beyonce. And here on Dear Imani, we talk about Beyonce a lot. So if you're a faithful listener, you know that's my girl. So <laughs> I can't get enough of her. And she actually got to meet her, which is crazy. We talked about this at dinner before because I'm like, okay, my boyfriend Alex met Beyonce, worked with her. She met Beyonce. So it's like, I'm just left over. Like I, I It's my time to shine <laughs> right, too. Right. Um, but she was in Brown Skin Girl music video. And when you told me that looking back, I was like, I remember seeing you. Oh my God. <laughs> like, I, I do because I remember thinking, like, oh, like, yes, brown skin girl yeah. with all types of brown girls. Yes. Like, yes. you know, not just, like, African-American and black right. girls. So I was right. like, oh, I remember, like, seeing you. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, this song is for all of us <laughs> little brown girls. Yeah. So what was that experience like, one? And how, well, first, how did you get that? Yeah, I did not. My, I have a manager and two agents that submit me to roles. Mm-hmm. And there was no audition or callback for that. I just got a call. My manager had submitted me in the morning. And by 5 p.m., I got a call from my manager and she was like, you need to be on set in two hours. And this is when I was living in L.A. for a little bit. And so it worked out because if I was in Oregon, I'm not making that that, like that role. And so I immediately left. I actually asked my friend to come with me and she was like, oh, no, I want to eat dinner and like stay at home. And I was like, "Okay." (laughs) well, she regrets that. (laughs) Yeah. What? (laughs) Yeah. So I got to the set and it was like this warehouse and there was a bouncer at the door and he was like, what are you here for? And I was like, I don't know. My manager told me it's a Grammy award winning artist, which is such a like underwhelming way. Yeah, that could be anybody. Right, right. And so my man, I had to call my manager. My manager called casting. Casting called the producer inside. The producer came out and got me. I signed the NDA. And then as I'm getting walked up to the green room, He's like, I was like, oh, what is this for? And I hear Brown Skin Girl playing, but like it's I just thought they were playing music on set, like just fun music. And he starts laughing and he was like, You're on the set of Brown Skin Girl. You're gonna meet Beyonce and work with her. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm gonna vomit. <laughs> like, that's crazy. You didn't know what it was. I had Grammy no award winning. Yeah, Come I was like, on. that's like, like, like not the anybody. Way right. That's not the way I would describe Beyonce even <laughs> no, a little bit. Not even a little bit. Right. And so I got to the green room. We did hair and makeup. I got in my gown and then the um, there was five of us girls. 
And the creative director comes up to us and she was like, I don't want to scare you before you guys meet Beyonce and work with her, but I just want to let you guys know, obviously we narrowed down the headshots and the profiles, but Beyonce is ultimately the one that picked you. And I was like, Beyonce thinks I'm pretty. What? (laughs) That is insane. (laughs) So no one can ever tell me I'm less than because Beyonce thinks I'm enough. Beyonce handpicked you. Like she's looking at the headshots and she's like, "Mm, not her, not her, definitely her. (laughs) And it's the definitely her is you. I know. Don't ever forget that. I know. Yeah, I know you won't. <laughs> but that is incredible. So did you get to talk to her at all or did she say anything to you? Yeah. So when I walked onto set, um, you know, I'm minding my business. I'm trying to be professional, cool, calm, collected. Yeah. And she comes up to me and she's like, hi, how are you? Do you need anything? And it's like Beyonce ha- does not need to be asking a random girl on set that. Like, I actually need some water. Right. Can you yeah. get that for me? Like, <laughs> I was just like, oh, I'm great. Like, I'm getting paid to work with you. Like. Paid, I'm getting paid to meet you and work with you. Yeah. So I was like, no, I'm good. And I just went to my spot and just like did what they asked. And Blue Ivy was on set too. Yeah. And we were working till 2 or 3 a.m. And she was so professional. So like, you know, just working hard, doing her mm-hmm. thing. So it was like really incredible to see the work ethic of everyone on set. Kelly Rowland was on set. Yeah. And wasn't, isn't her mom in that video? Tina? Yeah, yeah. I didn't see her. That was the, the scene that I was in was with Kelly Rowland um, Blue, Ivy, and Beyonce. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just casually. Just casually. <laughs> yeah. Nope, nope, the scene that I was working on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so cool. And that music video, if you haven't seen it, which if you're listening to this podcast, there's no way you haven't seen the music <laughs> video. Um, it's one and the same. Um, it's such a beautiful music video yeah. and such an honor to be a part of just because that album itself was um, Black is King, which mm-hmm. was kind of around the, her, when she was Nala and Lion King. Yeah. And I feel like if you, you know, I'm sure you watch Black is Clean yeah. King on Disney Plus, yeah. but it's just such an incredible film yeah. and she celebrates black culture so well. So like overall, what was it like or being a part of that music video and what that means for so many brown girls? Yeah. And when I first heard Brown Skin Girl, I was like, this is the most beautiful song I've ever heard. But I knew that it was meant for black little black girls mm-hmm. to hear and know that their skin, their their bodies, that them as black girls are beautiful mm-hmm. as they are. And then when I got this role, I was like, oh, I'm included in that. Like, that's so special to me because that wasn't my expectation at Mm -hmm. all. But the fact that she included Native girls, uh, Indian girls, um, as well as Black girls, Mm -hmm. just, like, like brought us together in a way that was so special and so meaningful. Yeah, I love that. And it's because at the end of the day, like, people would view us one in the same. Yeah. When it comes just because of our skin tone mm-hmm. and obviously like colorism is such mm-hmm. a huge thing in most cultures and ethnicities and stuff. Like I'm sure like I can attest to that within the black culture. You can attest to that within um, your community yeah. too. Just like being darker skinned yeah. is like such an issue for yep. some reason. Yep. <laughs> um, so for her to, you know, talk about that and make a song dedicated to us gals, yes. it's so special. I know. Like in India, the bleaching industry, the skin bleaching industry is a $1 billion industry. Wow. It's called Fair and Lovely. And it's literally telling you that you need to lighten your skin. I remember getting those little lotion packets during Christmas and being like, hey, girly, you look great, but like just lighten your skin a little bit. And so the wow. fact that I've never done that, I've never indulged in that, I was never allowed in the sun when I was younger. So mm-hmm. that was like, it was just really special to get to embrace my melanin in mm-hmm. that way and have it validated. Yeah, I love that. I know so many people are told, you know, don't go in the sun, you're gonna get darker or like that, those skin bleaching creams yeah. and stuff. I remember seeing a video of a little black girl and she was saying that she tries to like rub her skin off oh with, her, with soap. And I'm like, that 
it's hard to get out of that um that headspace too, just because of society mm-hmm. and maybe even starting at the home. Like people, yeah. like your if your mom's like, don't go outside, you're gonna get darker. Yeah. Or like if you're the darkest out of your siblings, and maybe you're getting made fun of by yeah. your brothers and sisters. You know, yeah. there's just so many layers to that. So. Shout out to Beyonce right. for making us feel cute <laughs> in our skin. And then she has her song Cozy in my skin oh, yeah. on Renaissance. Yep. But we're not here to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> we can. I'm ready. We, we, we can talk about her. Um, okay, so boom, modeling. No, no, no. There's more modeling. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Excuse me. I totally. She also has modeled for Sports Illustrated. Must say that again. She has modeled for Sports Illustrated, which is one of the most prestigious magazines known to man like literally we this is what we've seen on shelves for decades um and they really changed like kind of their messaging Mm -hmm. over the past years where I feel like at first it was kind of something that was looked at through the male gaze and now it's like the women's gaze and like females love to purchase the magazines and see the girls because there's so many different women backgrounds Mm -hmm. body types and everything so for starters let's just go through that journey of like how you got to be a part of Sports Illustrated that submission video and why you even wanted to be a part of it. Yeah so last year's theme was be the change you want to see and I love that quote because that's kind of what I try to live day to day. And so once I saw that, I was like, okay, I need to submit. And then I was actually in LA for a few days. And obviously, I can't film like swimsuit content in Oregon yeah. in January. That's just not happening <laughs> no in way. the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> and so I, it worked out that I was in LA. So I filmed it. And um, and then I submitted. I wasn't going to submit my video because like my voiceover wasn't sounding great. And I didn't have like a proper mic. And it just wasn't looking professional. And I wanted to submit the best thing I could. And then my friend, 15 minutes before, was like, okay, you just need to submit it. Like, the worst thing is that you don't get it. Mm -hmm. But, like, you're never going to know if you don't try. And so I submitted it 15 minutes before the deadline. And um, within – and then I went and did my institute training, um, the astronaut stuff. And we did, like, um, flights and we did hypoxia training and a bunch of other stuff. And then um, the Sunday I come back, I get a call. I had a call back. Um, right before the institute training. But I was like, I don't know. There's like 60 or 70 girls. Obviously, got narrowed down from thousands of submissions, but I don't know. And then this Sunday, I get back from the institute training. I get a call from a New York number. And I'm not one to pick up random calls because mm-hmm. it's like usually spam. Yeah. But I was like, why is New York calling me? So I pick it up and they're like, hey, congrats. You're one of the finalists. And we're going to be flying you out to the Dominican Republic later this week. Later this week? Yeah. It was so fast. <laughs> what? It was so fast. And so they announced on International Women's Day and then flew us out a couple days later. And it was so crazy because I um, wasn't feeling well the night before. And we had to COVID test right before we mm-hmm. went and before we left the DR. But I wasn't feeling well the night before. And I remember calling my mom and I was like, I don't know if I can do this shoot. Like, I feel really crappy. And I wake up the next day. I'm late to set by 15 or 20 minutes because I'm feeling that gross mm. um, I didn't know if it was like jet lag or just traveling I didn't know but I, I I did hair and makeup I went on set we shot the pictures and then in the afternoon we were supposed to do video content but they were like hey we need a COVID test before everyone leaves tomorrow and then I COVID test and they're like hey could you come back for a second COVID test and so I COVID test again and they're like hey you have COVID <gasps> and I was like oh. did I just get everyone on set sick like and so I didn't get to film the video content at all I went back to my room and I had to quarantine for five days Sports Illustrated was so incredible. They paid for all my hospital bills. They took care of me. They had someone stay an extra couple days just to check in on me, um, even just by phone. Like, they weren't checking in in my hotel room. But they took care of me. And then after the shoot, a month later in New York, they refilmed my video content in a studio in New York. Like, they were incredible. And then 
Um, later, we did the launch party in Miami. That was surreal because like Cammy Crawford was there. Like yeah. all these icons were there. Camille Kostek. And then um, a week after that, they notified me that I was advancing in the competition and I was going to walk in Miami Swim Week with Sports Illustrated. It just keeps getting better. Yeah. But let's go. Let me let me go back a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, let me pause. I'm like, let's take a pause. Because yeah. that's a whole thing in itself, walking yeah. Miami Swim Week, which is super cool. Yeah. Um, so what when you you did you know that you had to be out of the country? Like when you were at your um training, yeah. Did they give you a timeline or they're just like, pack it up, time to go? They did give us a timeline. Oh, okay, yeah, so you yeah, kind yeah. of knew if you were to make it, right. you were gonna be like blown out right like, but really like quickly. i didn't know i was gonna yeah. you know like i didn't and then they were like hey we're booking your flight like when are you what airport are you flying out of and all of that and wow. i was like oh i'm doing this <laughs> that is so crazy were they like helpful on set when it comes to posing or did you kind of already feel like you knew what to do um i feel like i knew a little mm. bit just because of pageant stuff and like doing so many photo shoots but it's different with si and so they were definitely like okay like let's try this let's try this but they did give me flexibility like mj Day, the editor-in-chief, she helped me pick out the swimsuits, but ultimately it was up to me, mm-hmm. and that was really nice to be able to do something I felt comfortable in, and she got me to wear, like, a low-waisted swimsuit, which mm. is something I don't do. Mm-hmm. Um, she was, like, encouraging about that, and I did it. It was my favorite look, so I'm really yeah. glad I did. Oh, serving body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, girl. Like, But I get it, though, because I feel like I, depending on where I'm at, which yeah. is, you know, kind of toxic, um, I want to wear, like, a high-waisted mm-hmm. something. But everyone, we're with a low waisted bikini. That's my yeah. goal this summer, not in the sense of like my physique, but yeah. no matter where I'm at, yep. to put the low waisted outfit yep. on. Like yep. stop wearing the the you know the high rise. Yeah. Yep. Like if you like it, you like it. But for me, I, I feel like I was always doing it because of a insecurity yep. of some sort when it just literally doesn't matter. Right. So right. everything doesn't have to be high waisted, y'all. Yep. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um. Wow. That is so cool. So then from there you went to Miami Swim Week. Yeah. Um. Were you? Would did everyone go to Miami Swim Week from your DR shoot? No. So, so they were selected. Only three of us went on. Wow. Yeah. And then the rest were like the icons from SI that have been with them for years. Yeah. 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 So it like was like Katie and all of them. Yeah. 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 Kristen Harper. Uh-huh. Um. Katie Austin. Yeah. All of them. So. It was, like, insane to just, like, like I walked right after Katie Austin at one point, and it's, like, that's insane. Like, yeah. Camille Kostek was, like, hanging out with us. Like, yeah. Like, everyone was so kind, so sweet, and so grounded. Like, none of them were, like, oh, I need this. I need this. Like, none of them were, like, divas or anything. Right. They were so sweet and kind. But then Katie Austin also came from this um, swim search yep. as well. Yeah. So it's crazy because, like, you, like, you're looking at her. Like, you walked after her. You're, like, yep. oh, my gosh, the icon. Like, but she started off the same way that yep. you did, too. So, Kind of just a lesson to show, like, in so eventually you're all watching, listening. You become that girl for someone else yeah. because then someone is looking up to you now, like, oh, she made it this far. Like, I want to do that too, you know. So then, so when you saw your pictures in the spread, was it um, in the magazine and online? Yeah, I didn't know if I was going to be in the uh-huh. magazine because it's swim search, so I didn't know. But I was on two pages in the magazine. I literally have every copy of every yeah. cover because I was like, this is this is history for me. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And yes. I was the first South Asian finalist. So that was like history, too. Wow. Yeah. So I was like, we like we did something. We made yeah, history. <laughs> that is so cool. When you were like going through the pages, did you cry? I forgot like I would have cried. Yeah, I filmed it. It's on my TikTok. But I was like, okay. I was like, I love this whole magazine, but I need to find like if I'm in it. Yeah. And then I found myself and then I found I found myself on three different pages actually and I was like wait like we did this and there's like a little bio about each of us and 
it was so special. And even walking in Miami Swim Week, it was like, wait, like I, I wore um, henna and a bindi. Yeah. On, and I was the first girl to do that at any Miami Swim mm-hmm. Week show. So it was like, wow. I tried to find like places where I could continue to make history in that yeah, way. Yeah. And you did. Yeah, and that's such an honor. Like Miami Swim Week, that's something that's actually on my, um, what's it called? My vision board for yeah. this year, which is coming up, I think, in July. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. it's just a, such a fun week I feel like and it makes so many great opportunities and whatnot so that's cool I even got to walk in Miami some week girl so your shoot was technically like a year ago around this time yep yep, yep. we said women's it was on women's day yeah yeah yeah. um so I'm sure like all of that's kind of like coming back on your timeline right yeah you're like oh my god (laughs) I know I was like it's been a year like that's so my life's so different in such a good way now like especially after SI it's it's so surreal. Yeah, because now adding to another layer, now you're Miss Oregon USA. Yeah. <laughs> so when did you start pageants? I saw in that SI video you went to Miss World America. Actually, yeah. okay. So when did you start pageants, or when did you like realize you wanted to be involved in that? Yeah, I started in 2013, I think. So it's been um, a, a decade, okay. and I started in Miss Oregon Teen USA. Did that two years, got second runner up, and then I've mm-hmm. done Miss Oregon USA three times. And then when I was in DC for a little bit. I also did Miss DC USA. Mm-hmm. And that was last June. And I didn't even make semis. It was the first time I had never made semis before. And then I came to Miss Oregon USA six months later and I won. So it was like, it's just like different judges, different mm-hmm. day. You just never know. You know that. And mm-hmm. so in between um, the different Miss Oregon USAs, I competed at Miss World America. Um, I represented California when I was living in LA and then Oregon um, the second year. And I made top 10 both years. But that taught me a lot about, like, how I can improve. Yeah. Wow. Just six months later, Mm -hmm. you went from not placing to winning. Yeah. And that's just a prime example. In pageants, we do always say that. Different day, different judges, Mm -hmm. different outcome, which right there shows you that it's true. Yeah. So when you heard your name being called as Miss Oregon, what did that feel like for you? I just got chills remembering it. I fell to the floor. I literally fell to the floor. And I was like, okay, collect yourself. Like, get back (laughs) up. Get the crown on. But, um... It was, I was so not expecting it. I talked to Maureen, who's our director, who's your director as well. And she was like, when I looked at the card, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to change her life. Like this is life changing. Cause she's seen me progress through the different Miss Oregon USAs from making top 10 or top 12 to never making top five. This is the first time I ever made top five in Mm. um, any pageant other than the Miss Oregon Teen USA pageant. Mm -hmm. And so going from top five, I was hoping my question and my answer were good enough and then I won and I was like, it still hasn't hit me. Sometimes I carry around my crown and sash and I'm like, they gave this to me. Is that, yeah. is that right? <laughs> yeah. And it's it's going to be a whole other wave when you go to Miss USA, obviously, because yeah. it's like, wait, I'm actually a Miss USA. Mm-hmm. So speaking of your question, what was your top five question? It was, um, they started off by saying if you were president and I thought they were going to ask the policy I would like want to in, mm. like install first. But they were like, if you were president, who would your vice president be? And that's like a shaky question because like if you say an actual person, people are going to, you know, people aren't going to be happy. But I knew that I didn't want to, I didn't care about pleasing anyone, but being satisfied with my answer myself. Mm -hmm. And I ended up saying that I would want to lead with another woman of color because we've been marginalized for so long and it's our time to have a seat at the table. Um, And even then, like Maureen got some people giving her feedback, being like, how did she win with that answer? That's so polarizing. And it's like it's polarizing to say that women of color should have a seat at the table. Like we have so much work to do if that's the case. Yeah. And we do. Yeah. Because people are insane. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But yeah, we talked about that at dinner, too. And I was telling you during my reign that I mean, I was 2020 girl. So we had the election. We had racial injustices, all of that. Um, And so I would talk on my stories about like police brutality. And our director, Maureen, would get emails sent to her like, 
your title holder is a police hater and she's this and she's that. And I'm like, first of all, like, what did you expect from a black woman mm-hmm. to like, what What do you think my opinion was really going to be? Right. Now that we all have the same opinions, right. but like, come on. Right. So they were really upset by that. And she got so many emails. Even one, I got one from our one of our sponsors who's no longer a sponsor. Mm-hmm. And their store shut down. So karma. But <laughs> <laughs> but no longer a sponsor. And um, she like sent me this long message like why i shouldn't be saying that blah 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 but really what you're asking people is to just shut up and do your job and i remember someone told i think lebron james this and they were like just shut up and dribble which is such a derogatory thing to say to anyone but especially people of color because you're just saying like well your only use is entertainment or this and you need to dribble that basketball throw it and that's it where we don't get to do anything else like speak our truth or say like talk about anything important um so i know exactly how that felt too yeah. like when maureen probably told you that of like oh yeah. people were kind of like this about your answer which your answer was great because you're just saying what is the truth right. of what we do need to see right women of color in those high positions right and that's what like this episode's about being multifaceted i think part of being multifaceted is not being afraid to speak your truth and the truth of the reality of this country and the history of this country, especially with so many like book bans and people are trying to ban AP African-American studies, mm-hmm. like all of this black history, all of the history of this country, people are trying to silence. And so it's even more important that everyone, but specifically people with platforms like title holders, make sure that their views are clear on these issues, especially because it's going to be brought up in top five. So even if you aren't vocal about it on social media, you're going to get asked something about that during your actual pageant. Yeah, so you might as well get comfortable now. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, because you're going you're gonna to have to say something. Yeah. Um, so speaking of Miss Oregon, going to Miss USA, before Miss USA, um, you're a pla- you have a platform, which is not just your platform, but a part of your your job yeah. and what you do. And you have a nonprofit called Operation Period. Yeah. Um, so can you tell us about that, why you wanted to start that, and what you do with all of that? Yes, yeah, so I started Operation Period in 2015. So it was over eight years ago now. And our mission, first and foremost, was to get people menstrual products who don't have them um, and to get them menstrual health education. And we've delivered over 300,000 menstrual products. We've done menstrual health education in five countries. We've done a lot of cool stuff. And now our focus is to train other young people on how to do those things. Because right now, um, there's a lot of menstrual injustice in this country. Uh, In federal prisons, people often only get two pads per month, which is just absurd. And uh Per Men- month? Yeah, per month. Yeah. Two? Yeah. And so they have to barter. They'll be like, I'll give you my food for the day if you give me your products for the day. But we use like people, you have to use multiple pads a day. I know. I know. So they're just free bleeding. And it's like, wow. there's like, people are have the people don't have access to toilets sometimes in prison. Mm. And so they're like, there's like feces, there's like menstrual blood, like it's just very unsanitary. And then it risk it puts them at risk for diseases or infections. Like prisons are a whole other story. And we're actually working on a documentary film to um, show people the reality of what it's like to menstruate in prison. And our lead subject is Taisha Huntsman. Mm. And her story is really astounding because she's been in and out of prison since she was 12. Now she's five years free of prison. But when she was in juvenile detention, she was denied menstrual products for years. And then when she had them, she said they were literally made of cardboard, so they couldn't absorb anything. And then once she got to adult prison, she was pregnant. And when she went to labor, they handcuffed her to her bed for 27 hours and then denied her her chance to hold the baby after the umbilical cord was cut. And any mom knows that holding their baby in those first initial moments is really important for bonding. Mm -hmm. And during strip searches, they would forcibly remove the menstrual products. I mean, it's like insane. And so 
now what we're doing is we're working on that film for awareness and we're doing like more media about it. And then we're also creating an institute to train other young people on how to advocate for menstruators. Wow. Yeah. Girl, <laughs> she just does it all. So what made you, was there something in particular that happened maybe in your life that made you want to start Operation Period or just like just being a woman and seeing the lack of resources for others? Yeah, I feel like I've lived a really privileged life in a lot of ways, especially income wise. Like I've never had, well, my parents aren't like wealthy rich, but mm -hmm. they, they've had enough that they've been able to always provide us basic necessities. Mm -hmm. And early 2015, I was complaining about my period pain, which is fair. Like, period pain is awful. Um, but I kind of recognized that I had products. I had Midol. I had a roof over my head. And so I started Googling, like, how I could help people who didn't have those, who didn't have access to those things. And I wasn't finding anything that told me that there was a nonprofit about it. There was nothing, basically, at that time. And I was thinking about it. And then later that week, I ran into someone who couldn't afford their menstrual products. And so I bought both of ours together. And then I was like, okay, this is like a sign that I need to do something more than just help this one person. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I started Operation Period. Wow. Yeah. So then from the, when you started, you started when you were by yourself, which is you. And then now you have a team of people. And so what was that like transition like from the beginning to where you are now with Operation Period? It's so crazy because now I'm a full-time paid staff member. Yes. And Anyone who knows, anyone who's ever started a business or nonprofit knows how hard it is to be able to raise enough so that you can pay yourself. You have a salary. Yeah. Yes. And benefits. Like I have health care. Like that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Through your own thing. Like yeah. that's your nonprofit and you have a salary and benefits, which is incredible. Yeah. So it's just, I mean, it's, it's insane. And to have a team that cares about the work as much as you do and wants to contribute to it and make this world a little bit better is just amazing. Wow. So you're using your platform as Miss Oregon. This is your platform. Mm -hmm. But what's so cool about you, and we talked about this before too, is like a lot of times with title holders, we have this platform where people make nonprofits and that's great, but it's not necessarily a part of who they are. Mm -hmm. You kind of just make it for that year, make that change throughout that year, which is amazing. But this is a part of like who you are. Yeah. You've been doing this for years before you were a title holder and will continue to do it well after even if you win Miss Universe, you're going to yeah. do it well <laughs> after that, too. So that's yeah. what's really um, special about what you do. Um, so going into Miss USA or just in the future of Operation Period, actually, where do you hope to see it go? I really want a world where menstruation holds no one back. I don't want Operation Period to exist because when it, mm. at, if it doesn't exist anymore, it means we've solved the issue. Like mm. we've addressed what we were trying to address. And so ideally, Operation Period, I can dissolve because we've solved the issue of menstrual injustice. Obviously, that's dreaming really big, but like that's kind of my whole life is like these absurd dreams that I think can happen. And my favorite, um, one of my favorite academics, Mariam Kaba, she has a quote and she says, hope is a discipline. And I feel like we talked about that during the IG Live too, of just making sure that we maintain hope for the future because it's kind of a privilege to give up. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. A word. Okay. <laughs> I said, wait. Yeah, she ate with that. <laughs> um, I was going to ask you something about operation period again. Um, oh, have you had any backlash from... Everything has backlash. You, you're trying to save the world and people are like, I don't like that. You know, so everything has backlash. But what has what are some comments that people have said that were like negative? Yeah, people just get really uncomfortable because it's about periods. And I'm like, it's not like it's the most natural thing. Like you were born because a person had a period yeah. and was able to have their egg fertilized. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, um, and so and it just it's about basic human rights for me. And so anytime someone has backlash or they're uncomfortable, my mentor always says, be comfortable with getting or get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's so important because 
Um, people don't want to talk about reproductive justice. They don't want to talk about menstruators. And it's like, yeah, because it doesn't affect you. Like when it doesn't affect you, it's easy to brush it off. But if you care about other people, like you say, whether through your religion or your morals, like you're supposed to care about your neighbor. And so this is literally just exemplifying that and caring about your neighbor. Like that's what this is about, even if it doesn't affect you. Mm -hmm. So like for men, do you advice like men to be you know jump on board and know what operation period is about do you have men that work on staff or like yeah. any of that yeah so one of our um most incredible board members Yisrael he's um helped us so much with fundraising he's such an advocate for menstruators and it's really nice to have those advocates who don't menstruate still support the cause and want to make the world a better place yeah, yeah. like men jump on board right right because I mean we need them too yeah yeah, especially because yeah. if they have more power, it's like, okay, y'all yeah. need to give something up for this to be equal. Yes, so. yes, yes. That is such an amazing nonprofit. I feel like I don't really hear people talk about that. Yeah. Um, I feel like within pageantry, too, I've maybe heard like three women talk about that. Yeah. Maybe that's their platform. But it's something that, it's a, and it's a privilege not to have to think about it. Mm -hmm. Like you said, it's not something that I would just think about because I just go in the store and buy my products. Yep. And they're also expensive. Yes. Like even just for like, People that can technically afford it. I'm like, I check out and I'm like, yeah, yeah. How are those tampons that expensive? Like, yeah. I think they should be free. Yes, yes. But I don't know how that works with the economy. But I no, think no, they no. should be free. Well, when we go into public restrooms, we don't expect people to bring in their own toilet paper, right? Because that's seen as an essential. So if I'm menstruating, why is a product not seen as essential too? I'm not bringing my own hand soap or my own paper towels. Like that stuff is provided because it's essential to my restroom experience, right? So why why would products yeah. not be included? Why, imagine if we had to bring our own toilet paper. Yeah, that would be insane. But you know why I think there's toilet paper is because men have to use yep. it. Yep, that's exactly why. Every, Patriarchy all, is everywhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all of our issues, me and Alex, my boyfriend Alex were talking about this. Yeah. I told him, I was like, your species is trash, one. <laughs> and two, I was like, every, if, I, if I think about any issue I have in the world, it roots back to a man. Yeah. Yeah, the patriarchy is insane. <laughs> the patriarchy is insane. And it's part of like every facet. Like like these isms, whether it's like sexism, racism, they're, they're literally embedded in every part. Like I just learned that the three meals a day is white supremacy because when <laughs> – No, it is. Literally, <laughs> literally, because when um, European people came over to North America, they were seeing indigenous people eat when they were hungry. And they were like, that's animalistic because only animals go hunt when they're hungry you need three proper meals at certain times. And that's why we don't eat when we're hungry anymore. We eat when there's a set time, which doesn't make sense for our body. Like intuitive eating is what makes sense for our bodies, yeah. right? And so like I'm learning so much about how it's literally embedded in every part of our lives. Wow. Yeah. Okay, I'm not eating three meals a day anymore because I would not <laughs> be a part of white supremacy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you learn something new every day. Yeah. I, I've seen like other threads of like, of other things like that where like our everyday things that we do yeah. stems from like white supremacy yeah. or systemic racism. Yeah. I'm like, that is insane yeah. that everything we do, but different podcasts, yeah. different day, baby. <laughs> I'll okay. be back. Yeah, she'll be back. We'll talk about that. Okay, so then your next thing coming up is Miss USA, which is super exciting. Do you have like, are you getting, how are you preparing for that? I'm doing, I feel like Part of it is that I'm, I've been preparing my whole life with mm -hmm. my speaking engagements, with interviews, like just all of it has helped me prepare for Miss USA. And then I'm doing specific stuff like making sure my nutrition, fitness are on point, like um, working on my walking because I always can improve, like just making sure I do all the things to feel my best. Even if it's not enough for the judges or it's not right for the judges, I want to know that when I stepped on stage, I did my best. Mm -hmm. And what's like a message that you want to show um or say as if you were to be Miss USA or going into Miss USA 
I am not a size zero. I will never be a size zero or a size two or four even. And so I just want to go up there and show women and little girls that they don't have to be this like stick thin model mm -hmm. to have a voice to represent the causes that they care about and to be themselves. Like I just want to remind little girls that yeah. anything is possible no matter what your size or shape is. Yes. And that, especially in the pageant community, as we know, like we've talked about this too, just like that body image yeah. and like. I know before Miss USA, I had lost a lot of weight, but then I gained a lot of it back mm -hmm. because that just wasn't my natural yes. um, state of body. Right. Um, so naturally, I was going to gain it back. So putting myself through and granted, it's good to eat healthy and work out. Yeah. Um, but I was like really trying to get to a certain size and look. Um, and really, it's just like it can become a toxic cycle mm -hmm. in your head. So like showing that on stage and like showing girls that no matter if we, you don't have to be a size zero or two or right. a four. Um, you don't have to be a six, eight, ten, twelve. Yeah. You could be a, a, anything. It's actually, yeah. You could be any size, you yeah. know, and be Miss USA, which is so interesting to me too. Because in what appearance has a Miss USA done where they needed to be a certain size? Mm -hmm. There's yep. not. Right. There's not a single appearance where you have to be a certain size. So yep. why is it um, the standard to look a certain way? Yeah. And also, I was telling you too. I'm like, if a judge was like trying to be like, mm, she's not a zero, you could just pull out the magazine, the yep. Sports Illustrated yep. magazine. Yep. Like. <laughs> I wasn't a zero here, honey. Right, right. And exactly. so I definitely don't got to be a zero exactly. here. Exactly. Because I was exactly. in Sports Illustrated. Yep, yep. <laughs> and I think that helped me a lot at Miss Oregon USA. It like validated my body a little bit and my fitness to be like, okay, she wasn't a size zero then. She's not a size zero now, but she's healthy. She's fit. She's confident. Like that's, those are the things that matter in a title holder. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait for you. And then, <laughs> and then you were saying too, if you were to win Miss USA, that would be historic? Yes, because I would be the first South Asian woman to win Miss USA. There's oh. never been a South Asian woman. So, wow. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Yeah. That would be incredible. Oh, my gosh. Ah. And then, another thing, yeah. if you were to win Miss Universe, yes. then you would be the first Miss Universe to go to space. Yes, yes. I want to take that crown and sash to space one yeah. day. <laughs> Miss Universe goes to space. Yeah. Like, come on, you guys. <laughs> Miss Universe organization. Hello. <laughs> Hello. I mean, this is your meal ticket right here. <laughs> so all of that, I mean, we went through so many things that this young woman does. Like it, and I'm sure there's a lot more too, like, especially you could just dive deeper and deeper. So all of that. And before we were recording, you were telling me that you have made a children's book and it actually is going to bring all of this together because it's called. You can be all the things you want to be. See what? <laughs> You could be all the things that you want to be. And that's yeah. exactly what you do. So are you able to like kind of say what the children's book would be about? Yeah. So it's about a little girl, a six-year-old named Zara. And she wants to be a chef, musician, uh, filmmaker in space. She wants to be an astronaut in space as well. And uh, it's about her journey and her getting, you know, she, she goes through a couple setbacks and a couple people telling her it's not possible. But she eventually finds her way and gets herself to space. So, yeah. And I'm hoping it'll be a series and we'll see. But got to get that first book out. So it'll be out in May, which I'm yeah. really excited about. It's, it's going to be a New York's best selling, <laughs> I'm sure. Because also, everything that you've talked about is like, um, of course, there's a lot, there's years that go into it, but it also, you're, I mean, you're young. So yeah. all this stuff is happening fast, like yeah. to be this successful at this age. So I'm sure the book will be. A bestseller in no time Thank with you. with the rate of how everything else is going. Yeah. But that sounds so exciting. Thank I can't wait you. to read it and, and see it. Um, so usually at the end, I always have Imani's final thoughts. So I'm going to have Imani's final thoughts. And it's going to be short and sweet, which is just do it. <laughs> just do all the things. I mean, that's something that we've obviously talked about the whole episode today. Something that 
I do myself. I feel like I put myself in so many different baskets and wanting to do it all just because, like I mentioned earlier, really sticking to those elementary school dreams. I want someone to be able to look back and see when Imani said, oh, I want to be this when I grew up. And then they look at my life now and like, oh, she really became that. And she's doing more than what she said, too. Um, So just for all of you listening and watching, never let go of those elementary dreams and always stay true to who you are. Keep those passions. Even if you don't take it as a career, just have those passions still within you. So like if you dance, for instance, you don't have to want to become a professional dancer, but take class as an adult because that's something that you love and that you um, are passionate about. So overall, just do it. So thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Like this, I feel like this is a perfect way to end Women's History Month <laughs> just because you literally do it all. And I cannot wait to see you go to Miss USA, go to space. What did we cover? Okay, we said astronaut, actress, um, uh, sports illustrated, brown skin girl, um, nonprofit owner. Like we went through the whole thing. And yeah. I'm so proud of you. Thank you for having me. This yes. is so fun. I literally adore you. So this is so fun. Uh, yay. We just fangirl over each other. Yeah, literally. What's new? But thank you so much. <laughs> thank you course. guys for listening and watching. I know you enjoyed this episode because why would you not? Why would you not? <laughs> um, but thank you. And I'll see you all next week. Thank you, girl. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast. You can watch the full episode on YouTube and make sure to send in your stories and questions at dearymoney.com. Reminder, I am not responsible for the outcome of any advice you take from me. Unless it's good, then I get all the credit. See you next week. Mwah!